Let us pray. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding, that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be opened to receive all that leads to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading today is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of the God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling, as at all the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family, from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning, and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Samuel, my son, but I'm sorry, he was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. 
of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. It's usually pretty fun to hike with my kids, and I say usually because there are occasions when it's a bit nerve-wracking. Our most recent hike in the Andes was a good example of a nerve-wracking hike with my children. I knew that my kids could handle hiking 10 miles in a day, even over rough terrain like we were facing, but what was killing me was the cliffs. Because at every turn, there was a sheer drop-off that led to certain death and dismemberment. In fact, at one point, I jokingly asked our guide if he knew what the mortality rate was for nine-year-old Incan boys who lived and walked on these trails all the time. And we had a great guide, and we knew that as long as we followed him, we would be safe. But the trouble is that kids stink at following especially when there are siblings involved. They were constantly picking, up, uh, picking on each other about who was faster than whom and who was going to get there first. And as a result, there was often a kid, usually Levi, rushing to get out ahead of everyone, including the guide who had hiked this trail nearly 800 times and knew every twist and turn in it. We were constantly having to call our little son back and remind him he had no idea where he was going, and we hired a professional guide for a reason. <laughs> following is hard, not just for kids, but for adults. Sometimes we have trouble following because we feel pressured to be at the front of the pack, or we feel like we have something to prove. Sometimes we have trouble following because we're too excited to slow down and follow the one who actually knows the way. Sometimes we have trouble following because we think we know it all already. Sometimes we have trouble following because we don't want to be going anywhere in the first place. Sometimes we have trouble following because it's hard to find someone or something we feel is worth following. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
How silly do you think Nathaniel must have felt when he found out that the very Messiah came from that place he'd so quickly written off as having no one decent to offer? It's not just hard to follow, it's also hard to lead. For starters, it can be hard as a leader to find people who are willing to follow for all of the reasons just listed. And once those people have been found, it's hard to organize them and to keep them moving. It's also a great deal of responsibility to lead. We want all the, the control. We want to be at the front of the hike, but with none of the responsibilities. We don't want to have to worry about anyone falling off the cliff or be responsible for them if they do. But when we were all leaders with no followers, or we are all followers with no leaders, we are all lost, even as individuals. If we can't learn to both follow and lead when it is appropriate, we're going to be lost. And one key to learning how to both lead and to follow is in learning to both speak and listen. Especially today, I don't think we listen well. It's part cultural problem and part human nature. We want to know that people are going to hear what we have to say, but we don't like to take the time to listen to what other people have to say. That's why Twitter is so popular. It gives people an outlet to say whatever they want without having to listen to what other people have to say. It makes us feel heard. Likewise, we like to tell God what we're thinking without wanting to listen to what God has to say. Lily Tomlin once said, Why is it that when we talk to God, we're said to be praying, but when God talks to us, we're schizophrenic? <laughs> Eli tells Samuel to say, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening, not listen, Lord, for your servant is speaking. We talk all the time about God answering prayer, but when do we talk about prayer as us answering God? Even in our prayers, we don't always follow well. We don't always listen well. We want our prayers to lead God to do the right thing rather than our prayers to lead us to God. Perhaps we don't listen well because we know deep down we are not always going to like what we hear when we listen. Perhaps we don't listen well because we're afraid we're going to be called to lead. Samuel is not given happy news when he listens to God. He has to go back and tell the very mentor who clued him into God's voice that his sons are a hot mess and it's his fault. It took courage for Samuel to answer that call. But when he proclaimed that difficult word, Samuel became known as a trustworthy man of God whose word meant something. We all have a calling. God speaks to all of us, but we're not always great at listening. Like Samuel, it can take us quite a while to catch on to what God is trying to tell us. It took four calls, audible, actual voice of God speaking in the middle of the night calls for Samuel to realize it was God and respond. But once he did, he was faithful to what God called him to, and God blessed his ministry. Verse 311 of 1 Samuel is translated in many versions as God saying people's ears are going to tingle because of the news of what's about to happen. 
NRSV says, I am about to do something that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. It will be so exciting. People will be able to feel it. And there's a difference between this tingle of excitement and the tingle of fear. The tingle of fear pushes us to lead when it's not our place to do so, to desire control without responsibility. The tingle of fear causes us to rush too far ahead or to stay put rather than to answer the call. But the tingle of excitement from God's voice is what changes the world. The tingle of excitement is what moves a little boy to become the great prophet Samuel we know of today. In another call story this morning, Jesus says to Philip, come, follow me. And Philip grabs a few buddies and says, it's him. God's calling. Let's go. But his friend Nathaniel takes a bit of convincing that it's the Messiah, even after Philip tells him so. Nathaniel wears his bigotry right out there in the open when he says, nothing good can come from Nazareth. But all it takes is that one encounter with Jesus for him to drop everything and answer the call to discipleship. There are some things all Christians are called to in Scripture. Lives of love and justice, compassion, peace, hospitality. Lives that proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. There are also specific and unique callings on our specific and unique lives. Next week, during our congregational meeting, we'll be voting to elect new church officers for the new year. I know that sounds very, very exciting, doesn't it? But really it is. It's part of our calling as members of the church to take this very seriously. We are affirming a call to leadership that God has given some of those among us who show spiritual maturity and leadership qualities. Some of us are called to cook soup for church fundraisers. Some of us are called to teach Sunday school. Some of us are called to share musical talents. Some of us are called to read scripture. Within our church, there are many things that we can be called to do. And these specific calls on our lives, both dramatic and ordinary, can take many shapes. Sometimes they come from the mouths of the community in the form of a phone call from a nominating committee or a ministry director. Sometimes they're a deep, burning passion for a particular mission or ministry. Sometimes these calls are practical. There's just nobody else but you who can do it, and it has to be done. Sometimes they make no sense whatsoever. You feel like the last person who could possibly call, be called to do the thing you think you might be called to do, or the thing that somebody else thinks that you might be called to do. Sometimes the greatest part of the process is recognizing that it's God calling. It's hard to remain spiritually awake so that we aren't confused when God calls, as little Samuel was, hearing a voice in the night. Philip was awake to the calling of the Lord in his life. Nathaniel had to meet Jesus on his own terms because old ways of thinking were so ingrained in his head. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel, even though he was open to it. He was still spiritually asleep, all three at very different places in their lives. Sometimes we are called to lead by helping another person hear and respond to God calling. In prayer and community, we stay awake. 
an acknowledgement that we all have a place in the body of the church and we all have an important call story, we stay awake. In celebrating the calls and the stories of one another, of our brothers and our sisters, we stay awake. In realizing the value of every call that God puts on every life, even the ones that the world misses or doesn't understand, we stay awake. In sharing our stories with one another, like we did this morning, we stay awake. And in staying awake, we are ready to answer when God calls our name in the night. Even when we're unsure, even when we have not yet fully woken up, we can call out, yes, Lord, I'm listening. Amen.